Thank you for downloading episode 59 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hey, while we're at it, doing this podcast thing and you're doing this whole listening to a podcast thing if you're enjoying the show why not take a moment to rate and review us on itunes so you can help us find new listeners and grow the community of people that you can argue or agree with about every decision we make so take a second do it just do it it'll feel great and now without any further ado episode 59 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Practical or digital effects. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to We Got This. How are you, Hal? I'm doing really well. I was going to be quiet for a, re- for a really long time, and everybody would think you were alone. <laughs> No, the only time that any of us is alone on this show is apparently when you do these pre-rolls, which I did not know were a thing until a couple of episodes ago. Well, you're now you're part of it. You've been indoctrinated. Ah, man. I won't make you do them. Don't worry. So let me tell everybody where we are right now. We are in the beautiful home of Tommy and Barb Hackey. Hello. Uh, This is Tommy Hackey, who is joining us on the episode. Uh, Tommy, we are here today to talk about practical effects versus digital effects. And you work in the special Ooh, effects world. I do. That's correct. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your experience in the special effects world. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, I work at a, a wonderful special effects shop that do mostly um, specialty costumes. Uh, but we also happen to find ourselves into animatronics and other practical special effects arenas. So we've really stacked the deck in favor of practical effects. That's correct. Episode. Yeah, I'm joined here by no one representing yeah. the digital effects world. <laughs> it's a tennis ball that will soon yeah. be <laughs> Gollum. We will digitally add in yeah. that character. It only it seemed appropriate. Yeah, Andy Circus is covered with dots somewhere in New Zealand, and he's <laughs> filming his part. Man, and we'll add it in later. Are there any other stop motion? A- like, is he the only actor that is known as the stop motion actor? He's got to be the only one because now he's even in. Yeah, he's kind of stop motion Doug Jones or not yeah. stop motion, but uh, yeah. mocap Doug Jones. He's a pioneer. Although I have seen um, I'm a gamer and I have a PlayStation 4 on which I play NBA 2K16. And every game you play, there's a pre-show uh, with Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith and Shaq. And when they filmed that, they they did that in motion capture. So they're wearing the full suit with the dots and they have the camera attached to their head that's tracking their face but they record they're, they're just sitting at a table feeling like <laughs> so you have Shaq going like the thing I like about the Houston Rockets is their perimeter shooting they got the best shooters in the league but he's doing it mocha like, there's no there's reason wow there's motion no capture for there's that no need uh, have either of you guys ever worn a motion capture suit? I have not had that distinct pleasure I have worn a motion capture suit oh. uh, I once did and it was for God bless the guys at Cal Arts because uh, they've got a heck of a lab up there for creating stuff. I uh, I did a motion capture for a student film at Cal Arts where I played one of the three blind mice, <laughs> and uh, and I'll tell you this: you you know you never feel as self conscious as you do when you are wearing a skin tight costume that, in my mind, here are a bunch of tiny little balls that point out all your flaws. <laughs> 
It wasn't like I'm putting them on the joint parts of you. It's like, nope, these are going on your love handle. Here's your trick knee. Yeah, yeah, this is your trick knee. This one. And, uh, yeah, that uh, extra weird thick neck you have. We're going to put a couple of white dots on that thing. (laughs) It's it's an exercise of making you feel better about yourself. (laughs) Right. Because if you can feel good in a motion capture suit, then you've achieved a new state. Yeah, you're set. That's good. So so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to break down – because I think a lot of people have – Strong feelings on one versus the other. Some people really like what digital effects have brought to filmmaking in terms of like you couldn't have had an Avengers or Lord of the Rings without the uh, without the progress that was made in digital effects. Right. Yeah, and that's true. But on the other on the other side, not having practical effects like we saw in the Star Wars prequels really removes you from what's happening in the film. You like to feel that there are physical objects there. There's a vast difference between Phantom Menace and. Force Awakens, and I feel like a big part of that uh, gap is practical effects. Yeah, so so I'd should like we to mention though? Before, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I was going to say I think what we should do is break down what, what what falls in the realm of practical effects and what falls in the realm of digital effects. Mm. So that we know sort of what's what, and we and we can really examine the argument a little better. Well, let's step back before that and just say to anyone who may be listening to this, who is usually listening to us talk about food, honestly, yes, uh, who sees the title of this episode and goes, what does that mean? Tommy, break down what is the difference as a special effectsman? What's yeah. the difference between a practical effect and a digital effect? First of all, I love the title special effectsman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that sounds like some sort of a woodworker. Right. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a crap. Making a boat <laughs> yeah. full of special effects. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, gosh, well, I think in the traditional definition, it is either something you can hold on set or touch or something that you can't. Um, that line is of course blurring every single day for us. I do a lot of work with sculptors where I will take their clay sculpture. I will scan it into the computer. I will send that scan to a digital artist who will refine that in ZBrush or Maya. They will pass it back to me. I will 3d print it out and mirror it, and then we'll have two halves of whatever thing. Wow. So there are digital elements. So this is, there are actual model builders who aren't just building models. Models that will wind up being digital characters are built first with practical models. Yes. Because the artists, the, 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 either the model builders or the sculptors are classically trained in these forms and these techniques. And that is such an important part of the design of whatever you're making a character, a building, a ship, um, that it can't be skipped. And there's so much to learn on the digital side of knowing the program, knowing how to manipulate the things in the program, knowing how to manipulate the lighting and the scenery and that kind of thing that the sculptors who are on the digital side don't have time or haven't learned all of this, you know, technical artistic knowledge of classical form. So, some of them have, of course, but, but there's, you really have to balance and pass back and forth between these two schools of thought and these two expert groups. Okay. So, cause when we went recently, when, uh, when the thrilling adventure hour went to New Zealand, we went and visited the Weta workshop and, uh, they have in their studio, they have all of these practical models of characters from assorted things. Right. That makes sense because I thought that those were just baloney. Like, <laughs> these were characters that were digital characters that were built digitally. And I was like, oh, you guys just made a couple of models for the people that are taking the tour. So here's You're a- like, see, this is how we do it. <laughs> and that is, honestly, that is part of it. We build a lot of models. Um, you know, if we're doing two, we'll make three and we'll put one in the shop. Mm-hmm. And, and sales is a big part of it for us. But, uh, there's also 
the element that digital is great, but it's not perfect. And if you have a fully painted, full size version, even though it may not be animated or articulated of whatever you're shooting on set as a lighting reference, you shoot a couple of frames with that inanimate thing, then the digital artists have a reference to look back on and say, okay, on this type of film, through this type of lens, on this type of camera, this character in this color looks like X. Right. And then they have something to base all of their digital effects work on. Okay. So they'll do those for what they, they call them lighting reference or, you know, color reference models. They and they'll do full-size models. Consider them actor reference models. Of course. As an actor, if I'm on set, because of all, you know, all these action movies that Hal and I have done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Tons. My God. I mean, we're, we're, Hal's got his Captain America shirt on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not because it's the only t-shirt he owns, which it is. I have three. Be fair. You have a thrilling adventure hour, a welcome to Night Vale, and a Captain America. You also have that red Avengers shirt. Here's the thing. You're absolutely right. I have like four or five t-shirts that are in rotation. (laughs) (laughs) But as if I lose weight, then it, then I have a lot of t-shirts. Then you have way more shirts. I refuse to buy new t-shirts. I refuse. And I, I work a job full time where I will wear it like, I guarantee you, you can go to anybody who I work with and they will tell you what my entire wardrobe is and they'll be 100% right. Yeah, they, they know your whole week. wardrobe. They're like, oh, it's Tuesdays. He's wearing the green one again. So this feels like a, a, a secondary, uh, we got this podcast, which is how, how long is it okay to recycle a single item of yeah. clothing? Yeah. Oh. How, uh, how long should your rotation <laughs> well, be? Look, I wash stuff. I'm fortunate to have a washer and dryer in my home so I can That wash gets things. a serious workout every five days. At this point, they should be like tissue paper. I'm surprised they're holding together. <laughs> and so that's, um, that's a special effect right there. But, uh, Getting back to my point, uh, Hal and I uh, have not done a ton of action movies, but no. we are actors, and I can only imagine that it is easier to uh, be terrified of a big, scary robot soldier if it is actually on set with you than a tennis ball on the end of a stick. Because also, if the three of us were in a scene together, and we're looking at a tennis ball on a stick, the three of us are going to be looking at three different things. Of course. Uh, and imagining, imagining three different imagine, things. Right. Exactly. exactly. Um, it's like reading a book with three different people. It's all going to look different in your head. Right. Yeah. But to have that reference, there's something to that. There's something. And that for me is what, uh, is why I love practical effects so much. I know we're going to have to pick one and I know that they are very integrated. Yes. Um, but a thing about practical effects that I love is everybody's seeing it in real time and you can tell a visceral performance. Uh, people fell in love with BB-8 because the actors playing those characters fell in love with BB-8 because he was on set with them. Right. And he was cute. He was there. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you this. I, I want to, there are some things that for me fall kind of between. I know like when we talk about stop motion, we're talking about a practical effect. Truly. Like an actual physical thing we're, that we're moving and frame by frame shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, for something like green screen, like when they made Superman fly in Superman the motion picture, sometimes that was him being dragged by wires in front of something, in front of a plate they'd already shot or right. in the background. But there was certainly in Superman 4, the quest for peace. The one <laughs> the of, best ooh, Superman. Oh, yeah. Right. The best Superman. Um, there was a lot of green screen in that. Is that, does that fall under a practical? I mean, it's not digital. It, it is digital. It though. is a digital. Absolutely. Yeah. I, in, um, a long time ago, uh, they would rotoscope. It's called rotoscoping going frame by frame and, and, isolating the human from the background. Okay. Um, they did a lot of that in like the original Tron. That's how you got those glowy lines. That was not digital. That was a practical effect. It was painted on the film one frame at a time by people. 
Wow. That's a practical, yeah, that's a practical effect. That was a pioneering digital film because of the light cycles. Light cycles and a master control program and all those. Those were all digital effects, right? So green screen nowadays is a digital effect. It's, it's, or blue screen. You, you, uh, you select a color in the computer. You say that color, get rid of it. And everything that's that color goes away. And then you can drop in in a layer behind the, the human layer, uh, whatever you want. So yeah, that's a digital effect. So useful in life. Not just in the wait. <laughs> wait, there's one color that you want to get rid of. Hal, we're not doing best race. Hal doesn't much. like purple. I, yeah. I'm tired of all these purple people in my life. <laughs> oh, you mean the one-eyed, one-horned flying ones? Yeah. They eat people. Now, Horrible. hold on. Let yes. me ask. Is that song saying that the monster is purple and eats people? Or is it a one, uh, one-eyed, one-horned flying Purple people eater. An eater of purple An people. An eater yeah. of purple people. Because if that's the case, that is a starving animal. I mean, I think this is like the pet smart <laughs> argument, right? Oh, like it's... Is it pet smart or is it pets smart? Oh, that's true. Getting back to effects. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Coraline, and that's interesting because Coraline, uh, they actually 3D printed the faces and the expressions. Really? Yes. So, in essence, it is sort of digital. that We're seeing this blending, right? We're seeing a, a computer iterate the faces and the face shapes for every frame and then print those out, and they snapped on with little magnets, and then they digitally painted out the lines where the faces and the expression pieces snapped on the armature. So, yeah. So, so again, and Practical have really become married at this Yes. Point. Yes, they have. Um, for me, I've, and I've said for a long time, I've erred on the side of loving the practical effects more than the digital effects, but this is an argument that I've made for probably 25 years. Sure. Because... You know, 25 years ago, digital <laughs> effects didn't look real. And that's the difference now, I guess, is uh, the first time I think that faces, the digital faces looked real to me and looked really expressive and emotional was uh, Toy Story, which was 20 mm. years ago this year. Sure. Um, but there's still, because those are toys, uh, there's still something in creating humans, even with like Final Fantasy, when the first Final Fantasy movie came out, at first I thought to myself... Oh, this is bad because actors are done now because these things look like humans. They move like humans. They are physically nearly perfect representations of humans, except the eyes are the window to the soul. And I've never seen a digital character whose eyes seemed exactly right. Well, and there you're talking about almost an animation. Like, I consider Final Fantasy to be a cartoon. So it's more right. like using digital in animation versus a digital effect. In pe- like, there's something- but look at the people in like uh, in the first Harry Potter movie. Sure, in Sorcerer's Stone, when Harry is battling against the big uh, the troll. troll in the in the bathroom, or when they're playing Quidditch, and it is pretty clear that <laughs> you have just switched from a shot of Daniel Radcliffe to an animated Polar Express character. Sure, yeah. sure, or Digital Domains Neo when he's fighting all of exactly. the Agent Smiths. Um, so what we're talking about here really is is something called the uncanny valley. And this is your brain's ability to discern and and well it's it's this pit. Things look real and look real and look more real and more real and Toy Story was on that the upslope. And then when you get right next to it looks really real. Right before you get to that looks perfect and real. There's this huge valley of nope, it's unacceptable to your brain. It doesn't look real at all. Really? And the reason that is is because your brain maps 
movements that it sees onto its own motor cortex, which is why things, when you try to do something, if you've seen someone do it before, it's easier and something's not right. The motor cortex is like, that's, that's weird. That doesn't look right. And so your brain goes and says, no, 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 this is something's very wrong with this. And your survival instinct kicks in and says, this is something I should stay away from this weird person. Something's wrong. But why is it when it gets close to perfection that that valley happens? Why doesn't it happen at the very beginning? Because nope, this crude stick figure does not look like a person because everything that works works perfectly. And everything that doesn't work is in stark contrast to the things that aren't working. It, uh, example being the eyes. Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, My mind is the- super blown, and <laughs> I wish there was a glass vase with a hole in it on this table. <laughs> I'll tell you one place where like, I, I fall. I know you're a practical effects guy, Mark. Right. And I don't know where, where you fall. Obviously, you get your work out of both. So you appreciate I guess I guess I do. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I mean I like digital. I respect it a lot. The one place I can't stand it is in horror films. I mm. need to see like the blood needs to feel real. Like fr- the the original Friday the Thirteenth, just not a masterpiece of a film, but still like you actually see a knife come through a guy or or the the little boy pulling uh, the woman out of the boat at the end. That's a mm-hmm. big spoiler. <laughs> I think it's been what thirty six years. They've had time. I'm sorry. Did you just refer it. to him as? Little boy. Yeah, he's a little boy at the end of Friday. The yeah, Friday. but he's terrifying. Like, but he's little not, boy he's, is evocative of oh, cute. No, it's a <laughs> monster child coming out of the water. You're talking about that very last shot yes. in the original Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, they could have done that uh, digitally nowadays, and it wouldn't be as impactful. Or um, the mother getting pulled through the door at the end of yeah, Nightmare on Elm Chrissy in the water and Jaws. Yes. Right. Yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah. Those things don't work digitally. The physic. I mean, Jaws was 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 made as a film by a practical effect that didn't work properly. Correct, yes. So, like, in in that way, there are just certain places... You just can't... You can't generate terror with digital things as well. So that actually... That actually speaks to something that I think... And I think that it's too easy for the director's mind to do it digitally. You can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter it never goes wrong you can tweak it until it's done movies used to be more exciting right and i think that the pressure of mistakes and things going wrong on set prompt instant creativity and i think it's important that people are pushed to create like that i I'm sure it's torturous for those people. Right. <laughs> but, but I meaning really. What, meaning if something goes wrong, like you want there to be imperfections there, in a, in an effect? Or? No, I mean, I mean, not everything is possible in a movie. So you want to get a shot of a car jumping off a thing and flipping twice and doing, okay, well, that's not quite possible. So how can we make this still exciting and possible? And then you, you're forced to kind of dig into the meat of why that thing is interesting or exciting oh, okay. and create the same thing, the same feeling, but maybe with a slightly more grounded effect. Okay. Right? So, like, the idea of, uh, look, we don't have all of this icing, so how do we make the cake taste better so you don't need as much icing? Right, then? sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, for me, it's, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, that creativity that's required of having parameters. Yeah. If something isn't given parameters, 
then it can become a mess. That's the right. reason that Julie Taymor's original version of <laughs> Spider-Man was apparently a giant terrible mess because she was not given parameters by sure. the producers of the play. I and have to go off and, on, way off on a tangent. No, but in Star Wars too, right? George Lucas, when he was new, yeah. didn't have everyone saying, yes, Mr. Lucas. And and the original Star Wars films were fantastic. And then when we got to the prequels, it was a huge deal. And I'm sure nobody questioned anything he wanted to do. Well, be- yeah. And also because you could make anything. That's part of the problem for me is... If you can make anything digitally, uh, and I guess this is just the old school in me. If you can make anything digitally, then I, as an audience member, am not wowed by it happening. Unless I know that it was not done digitally, then it blows my mind. <laughs> BB-8 blows my mind. Uh, because you know that it could not have been done with digital effects. Uh, James Bond fighting on top of a, tr- on top of a moving train in, um, in Casino Royale. Was it Casino Royale or was it Quantum of Solace? Uh, I think it was the beginning of Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Uh, that scene was stuntmen on top of a train. The blowing up of the bridge in Bridge on the River Kwai is exciting because you know it really happened. Right. And there's something gets lost nowadays with when you see an amazing effect in a movie and you go, oh, wow, they have really good computers now is always the So so a special effect is a magic trick, right? Yes. And a special effect done with computers that you can tell it's done by computers is a magic trick that you know the mechanics of. Yeah. And a magic trick doesn't work if you know how it's done. Of course. Right. But if it's done really well, then then it tricks you on two layers. I'll exactly. Give you an example, mm-hmm. the Lego movie which right. a lot of people think was done practically, was done digitally, yes. but made to look practical. Mm-hmm. So it, it appears 100% to be a stop-motion film and and a great one. If you haven't seen it, watch it. You, you will not be able to tell. You'll think like, oh, they did a couple digital things here and there to create a laser effect or or for lighting or, or whatever, but it's a digital film. So that's that's when it's done well. But it, you had to get through, I think, the original uh, – the first use of computer animation was was in Star Trek Two, or was it? It might have been Tron. Uh, it was either or, it, or Tron. It might have been. Tron. I heard a rumor about the very first digital effect. I'll go to in a minute. All right. Please go ahead. Oh, I thought was I wanted it to like some 1909 film where like no, no, no. They made the train out of drawings. Uh, no, the, the <laughs> rumor that I heard, I don't know if it's true, is that a coke booger was digitally removed from Neil Young's nose in the movie The Last Waltz. Wow. That, I heard, was the very first digital effect. <laughs> wow. <of it. laughs> I have never heard I that. I kind of want to look that up now. That's what I heard was the first digital effect. That's fantastic. But the the tour of the Genesis planet in mm-hmm. Star Trek II was mm-hmm. an early use of computer animation but you had to get through that and young sherlock holmes the stage yeah. last night <laughs> and you had like to get that through that you had to get through aladdin and the flight through the cave oh yeah when you're like oh come on this looks nothing like the rest of the movie yeah right but if you don't go through that stuff you don't get to the lego movie so of course you've got to be pushing that medium forward a lot of them or toy story movies. even yeah toy yeah. story doesn't and without luxo jr there's no toy story and, and right, they, right. And they couldn't have happened somewhere. that's the thing a lot of these things couldn't happen if you know how the magic trick works, the magic trick doesn't work. Of course. But digital effects have made it possible to do way bigger magic bigger tricks. Bigger magic tricks, yes. Like the magic tricks have gotten yes. better, but you know how they work. Right. But terrible practical effects, and and by this I mean every action television show from the <laughs> 1970s. And if you haven't seen Captain <laughs> America from that where he's wearing like 
they could have put any helmet on that guy, but they put the biggest, thickest <laughs> um, motorcycle helmet on him. Yes. Like, it looks like he's got a motorcycle helmet that has its own motorcycle helmet. It's <laughs> a ride on the weekends. And whenever he, when he jumps, it's just him falling, and then they roll it back in reverse. Or or he throws something, and it's they rely on a sound effect. Yeah. It just looks... Terrible, and then and you're then like, I'm oh, done. if we if we if we make that rock sound heavy, no one will realize that it is a foam, foam. brick. You're right. Yeah, right. like so bad effects, bad digital, bad practical. Bad they, effects are bad effects. They suck the same way. But Clash of the Titans, which has a bunch of stop motion in it, still holds up for for the movie that it is. It has a yeah. good combination. You know, let's talk about Ray Harryhausen for a minute. Mm-hmm. Sure. Ray Harryhausen's effects. Uh, he, Ray Harryhausen created the effects for a lot of classic movies. He did cl- the original Clash of the Titans. What are some of his others that he did? Do we know? Can, uh, that was his, that Can was we name his them? final. The, these are the, the things Argonauts. I should know. Yeah, Jason the Argonauts, Sinbad and the Voyage of the Seven Seas. A lot Ooh. of those sort of epic, uh, you know, swords uh, and right. sandals Barefoot epics. In the park. The Odd Couple. All right. I think you're, you're confusing Ray Harryhausen with Sally? Simon. Okay. And Billy Wilder. Um. <laughs> He did uh, The African Queen. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but those Ray Harryhausen effects, by today's standards, they're beautiful works of art. The effects that he created, they move fluidly. They are uh, they're amazing, immaculate models. But by today's standards, no one's going to buy that those skeletons are actually swinging but those, swords. But those were things that wouldn't have been possible in the time with people right. or with anything. So he was forced to think creatively. Yeah. And come up with this, well, if I just shoot one frame at a time and string them together, that's all movies are, then we can maybe do this. And that's, and that's, that's what I'm talking about, about that, that pressure of creativity, that improvisation, mm-hmm. uh, to tell that story. And, and part of the, part of the reason why you have to keep uh, innovating effects is because audiences figure out the tricks. Of course. Like in, initially, I think one of the first, um, films that was ever shown or one of the first films that was that was publicly shown like widely to audiences featured a guy firing a gun at the the camera at the end and mm-hmm. and initially in the showings when he did it people stormed out of the theater <laughs> in fear that they were going to get shot by the person up on the screen because they had no idea how any of it worked cuz old timey people are dumb they were real dumb <laughs> They were just real <laughs> dumb. But like this, that, that, we take that for granted now. Yeah, of it's, course. How great would it be to be in that audience? Yeah. And I, and I've seen that uh, for the first time as a Disney parks freak that I've been becoming the idea of the enchanted tiki room. Now you're and only a Disney birds. parks freak if you got an annual pass. I have an annual pass, sir. I know you just got it. Wallet. That's right. <laughs> Game anyway, set match. Tiki room. But the tiki room, that was the birth of audio animatronics, which is still owned by wet enterprises and was created because they wanted to do something new. So right. they had a bird outside of the room initially that acted as like a barker to bring people in. And crowds would gather around completely dumbstruck that a bird was talking. See it now it's quaint. But then mm-hmm. it was groundbreaking. Like we can't – you watch Ray Harryhausen now and you go, well, that's – those skeletons aren't really moving. Or Medusa clearly like has jerky motions as she tries to fire arrows or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the time – it still worked. You were still in the time. Which is that. which yeah. is really yeah. great because if you think about it, the people back then were so much more educated about mechanical things, yeah. right? And even then, this this tiny mechanical thing was able to to fool them, which was essentially clockwork. Uh, but do you think oh, that so great. in general people are not even in your line of work that yeah. people are not as well versed in the mechanical now that they will default to digital. Now you work in a, a more practical office. Though. I do, I do, and I You're absolutely think that people don't 
know the mechanical anymore. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Just because the digital is easier or the digital is where it's going and more prevalent. So that's a more marketable skill. I think nowadays it's um, a lack of interest. There's your iPhone and it can give you whatever you want. Why do I need to know how that fan works? There's just no... Because the world will always need fans. Of course. (laughs) Yes, it will. But... but... I'm the only guy that I know who is like, oh, look at that, a fan that I don't know how it works. Tommy, Hold on you're a second. the guy that I know that everybody goes, hey, Tommy, um, can you fix this? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when I start explaining how it yeah. works, people just leave the room you're in like, mass. Great. Oh, no, no, I didn't want to be here when you were Right, right, it. yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted you to start fixing it, me leave, go see a movie <laughs> that was made with digital effects, so it's really exciting. Yeah. And then I come back and my fan that was broken is done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before we talk about more uh, visual effects, yes. how about an audio effect? Ooh. Which what is the audio uh, effect? It's going to be a series of commercials <gasps> for some of the other fine podcasts on the Maximum Fun Network. Oh, I hope the McElroy boys, boys are on there. <laughs> I hope they. I hope those boys are on there, too. All right. And commercials go! Hi everybody, I'm Justin McElroy, the oldest brother from my brother, my brother, and me. I'm Travis McElroy, the middleest brother. I'm Griffin McElroy, and you can deduce where I'd come into things. If you haven't been listening to an advice show for the modern era every Monday on MaximumFun.org, then this is what you've been missing. Jokes! Hi everybody, it's me, Cowboy Greg, and I'm here to tell you one of my classic railroad jokes. Celebrity impressions. I'm Zooey Bechamel! <laughs> Fun facts! There's a bear behind you. Not a cop. Join us every Monday on MaximumFun.org or on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. Like Denny's. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a horde of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon and say... Us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. It is very effective. <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host The Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> and we're back. I love those shows. Wow. <laughs> I want to point out, uh, in case you've been listening, which I hope you have, and intently, <laughs> intently, I mean, you've heard some smacking in the background, maybe a sneeze every now and then. What you're hearing is an adorable little dog whose name is Sparks Nevada. That is very true and the greatest dog in the world. That's true. Not just because your dog is named Sparks Nevada, Tommy. No, he is the greatest. He is the greatest dog. And he has ginormous ears. Like, he has ears <laughs> like a gremlin. <laughs> Do not get him wet. Do not feed him mm-hmm. after midnight. This is all true, actually. He's very afraid of water, so that that makes sense. Um, What were we talking about before we went to commercial? We were talking about uh, practical effects versus digital effects. Great. For like 27 minutes? Yeah. Um, all right, let me, I want to pose. I want to pose a question to you guys. Yes. Okay. Um, I feel like this debate comes down to one very basic thing for me, uh, and it is: Am I willing to give up the "how did they do that" aspect 
for them being able to them you Tommy. <laughs> you're okay. Oh, I'm right here, yeah. Mark. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, if the the wonder of how did they do that? I lose that, but I gain way more things that are possible in a movie. Well, why do you go to the movies? Uh, I go to the movies to, yeah, that's a good point. Because I go he to likes, the movies. He just likes dark rooms. Yeah. I'm super into popcorn. There's, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and, popcorn wait, enthusiast. Are you telling me I can get popcorn at other places? We haven't told you till now, Mark. Tommy. How? I, Why have you guys been hiding this from me? Wait, Mark. What is that big Christmas tin in the corner? We asked you here. What is in that? We asked you here today. Oh God. Because we're concerned. Have, oh, have you ever gone to a movie theater and been like, "How's the popcorn today?" <laughs> oh, it's stale and overly salted. Wonderful. Man, we have three garbage bags full <laughs> and just pour it directly um, into my mouth. My older watch. brother worked at a uh, at a movie theater when we were in high school, and there were guys that would leave the theater. He did it like once, uh, but there were guys that would leave the movie theater with garbage bags full of popcorn every night. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, that was just uh-huh. what you did. That was. Because you're not going to steal the candy because the candy's packaged and tracked. Uh, right. The popcorn, they just toss it out. So, Oh, yeah. Wow. The secondary popcorn market is huge. Everybody <laughs> um, yeah, wants some Redenbachers, man. I got Redenbachers right mm. here. Yo, yo, yo. I got Act 1. Act 1. <laughs> you can only get it a block. Hey, bro, I got Blasto Butter. Can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you when I smell popcorn, uh, it does not make me hungry for popcorn. It makes me want to watch a movie. That is true. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. My Pavlov's dog, uh, for popcorn has nothing to do with hunger. It has everything to do with the experience of watching a movie in a theater. So that, okay. So, so let's, I'm not letting you off the hook at this one. Why, why do you go? I go, I, you know what? I go to the movies. For me, I go to the movies. Uh, I know people go for a lot of different reasons. I like big, flashy spectacle movies. I go to, uh, I go to Marvel movies. I go to Harry Potter movies. I go to when they were making them. I go to, uh, I go to watch the spectacle. So then do you get lost in that spectacle? Do you kind of, are you thinking critically the entire time that you're watching that movie and sort of analyzing and that kind of thing? No, or are you, you get sucked in and you lose yourself in the story? Okay. So then the, the third question is, if you notice an effect, are you taken out of it? Yes. If I notice an effect, I'm taken out of it, especially if it is a digital effect that could have been done practically. Hmm. That, I guess, is my biggest pet peeve is uh, a digital – like you were mentioning earlier where a director's like, uh, it would be too difficult. It could be too – there's too much liability involved. Uh, you know what? We'll just do this. We'll just do it right. We'll just do it digitally. Do it. In, we'll fix it in post. Is yeah. the thing that is a sentence that drives me crazy. So, what's an? Ex- give me a good example <laughs> of what should have been a practical effect that was turned into a digital effect and it drove you nuts in a movie. Okay. Um, these are not great movies. I'm sure the people that work there are fine <laughs> people. Um, but a lot of uh the horror movies that Full Moon Entertainment does. I have a lot of buddies that used to do movies for these guys, Full Moon, so I would see a lot of these movies. And they would do digital blood effects. Mm-hmm. Mm. Digital blood effects to me are po- – like a digital blood spatter. Yep. A digital blood spatter to me in a – or like a digital blood in a battle scene, even in like a higher budget movie – uh, a, a digital blood effect is the height of laziness in filmmaking to me because blood is easy. 
It is not difficult. Movies have been using blood for decades. And if it's, maybe there are some digital blood effects that are done really well that I haven't noticed. I'm sure there were some in, uh, like Saving Private Ryan. I'm sure some of that was digitally done and I'm sure. Right. But a poorly done blood effect. I'm like, you, you couldn't get a bucket of fake blood in a water <laughs> balloon. Like that to me, lazy, lazy digital effects that could have been done practically are, uh, will take me instantly out of a movie and make me angry that I spent my money on a movie that was, that they didn't have, take the time to. So you'll go properly. from, you'll go from being immersed and being lost in the story to right. taken out of it and analyzing why they didn't. Immediately. Right, right, right. But like, what? but like a Harry Potter movie, which I loved the Harry Potter movies, uh, I know that most of those effects would have been impossible. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, well, no, not 10 years ago. They're half of them were made 10 years ago. Um, but 20 years ago, a lot of those effects would have been impossible. Uh, and they're done so well and they're done so masterfully and they've taken the time to do them correctly that I'm never taken out of that. Well, I, on, on, I agree with you about splatters, although I would love to see a completely digital Gallagher concert. Where he smashes <laughs> watermelons. Wow. Watermelons. Yeah. I hope you have what, uh, what you're pretending is a tarp pulled over your head. Like we'll put everything in, in post. <laughs> I, I, that would wow. be an achievement. In fact, if you're listening, DreamWorks Entertainment, I'm talking to you specifically. <laughs> I think you're the ones to tackle this. I want to see Gallagher the movie, but I want it done all with – I want like a giant digital fake couch. I want digital in television. Wow. I want digital everything. I want, you don't, want, you don't want actual Gallagher to do it, right? He's kind of off the deep end now. Uh, who's gonna play Gallagher in this? Steve Buscemi. Now, <laughs> I watched a lot of Gallagher as a kid. We would rent those tapes and watch them over and over. Oh, again. he was brilliant. Over and over. Um, but I would love to see that digital. I think that would be great. <laughs> That's all I'm asking for. Digital Gallagher. D- digital Gallagher. <laughs> so, you, can, can we talk about a project that you're working on? Uh, sure, early? yeah. Um, or or have worked on yeah have worked on it'll the have to new, be the new Ghostbusters that's correct film. yeah um, the highly anticipated I can't wait for it the Paul Feig directed Ghostbusters mm-hmm. but but I'm thinking back to uh, the original Ghostbusters and some of the effects there in particular the the opening sequence in the library which is a I think is a really good combination of digital and physical mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. well it was back then it was optical wasn't it would but, those have been digital effects or like what is the difference between an optical effect and a digital effect that's yeah that's the question are we saying that optical effects are physical so the goat the librarian ghost who's trying to get them to be quiet were they it was a mirror i'm assuming I, I don't. I don't know the mechanics was, of that I scene. The name of the of the trick that they use in the haunted mansion. It, oh, I do. Uh, oh, it's a Shufton shot, right? No, 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 no. Where they have a. It's a somebody's room. It starts with an L. Hang yeah, on. Uh, jeez. It's specifically like an 18th or even earlier. Yeah. Where is it? Where it's it's, one, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mirror. 45 degree angled mirrored lens. that is half silvered so that yeah. you can see through it, and then there's whatever you want to see. They use it in the Monsters Inc. ride as well right. with uh, which was Randall. The, which was what they used for. On, on film in, back in the 1930s, which was a practical effect, what they used for, uh, Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol. Yes. Right. Is that Jacob yes. Marley was standing to the side of the camera while Scrooge was on camera and they actually did the scene at the same time. Right. Right. So no, so obviously practical. I mean, what okay. would, what would be digital about that? So that's all. Well, I'm, when I, when I think of green screen being digital because mm. at the time, uh, the, oh, there's not a, a ton of green screen. So, well, you mentioned, no, so you can hold, 
you couldn't hold Slimer. Like, Slimer was not in that hotel room he, scene he in puppet. Ghostbusters. He was a puppet. was a puppet. He was a puppet, but he was, was not he on, on set. set. He was he was not. I don't think he was he, on if set. He, he hated all of those actors. That's why. <laughs> he was <laughs> refused to work with them. With, right. with a mouthful of hot dogs, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He, uh, he couldn't stand it, except for Sigourney Weaver. Uh, they dated briefly after the first film. <laughs> yeah. Broke up. But who why? didn't date Sigourney well, A Weaver. messy breakup. Yeah. Very yeah. messy. Everything he hot did was messy. Everywhere. True. Um, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But, but that, so that, that entire sequence so, is all physical. You have If it, he was on set, then it was a practical effect. Okay. If he was composited in later, it's a digital. If he was by a computer, it was a digital effect. So then let's, let's assume for the sake of argument that in that library, everything is a physical effect. Okay. It's done somehow optically. Right. So, so the, the, the other way of thinking of it is in camera. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's shot the 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 image that hits the film is the one that that ends up on the screen. Right, That's right. in an in camera practical effect. You, you could do that film today and do a lot of those things digitally. You could have the uh, the cards in the card catalog flying up. You could just do mm-hmm. it digitally. You wouldn't have to reset yeah. every time. Right. But there is something that sequence would not be as striking if it was all digital. It would be it would be real like and I part of it is what of I was it. saying earlier about the actors is that. Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and uh, Dan Aykroyd would not see cards. And every extra in the background, right? Every extra in the background. Everyone's reacting to something that's there at the same time. Right. Um, Yeah. Sparks. Sparks Nevada had my hand in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) They've become fast friends. Which could have been a story from this podcast or an actual backstage story from Thrilly Adventure. (laughs) Mark Evan Jackson loves eating hands. Super into it. Uh, listen, uh, and not a lot of people know this. I uh, like eating hands. I eat hands. <laughs> so where were we? Uh, so we were talking about like sequences that 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 works. I I'm bought into it entirely. Mm. I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, that's obviously a guy blowing into a pipe to make all the cards fly up. Like I I can get lost in that entirely. There's also something about the physics of objects, items that. Computers can't do very well yet. It's got water down. We've got water down. We've got, I mean, that was, there was. Water took a long time. But it yeah. didn't. There, were, there was digitized water in Titanic. That's true, I guess. And you wouldn't know. And there known. was digitized water in the abyss. Even. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. So water's what pretty am I good. Am I thinking of fire that was the tough one to get down? There's Fire's hard. Uh, fabrics have been difficult. Hair has been difficult, but we've got it now. Yeah. Um, but. But f- large falling items tend to fall and behave in ways that we can't really understand because we don't have a an intimate, practical relationship with it. You know, a plane crashing is kind of a bizarre and uh, I don't know. Just it just behaves differently than you might think because it's different than a a book falling off your desk. You know, right. we have a knowledge of a book falling off your desk. And if you do that incorrectly, it looks bad. You know it. Right. Uh, but a plane crashing, not a lot of people get to see that. But I have a feeling that if there was a movie with a plane crash that was done practically, mm. it would be gut-wrenching to watch of, in a theater. Yes. Mo- way more so than a any movie where a plane crash is done digitally. Because usually the truth is stranger than fiction. And these little details that that may or may not be present in digital. Usually I find it's either too detailed and you see every single little tiny thing, you know, you see a light bulb fall out of one of the overhead, you know, uh, uh, hostess call button things. It's like, okay, well that's a little, I wouldn't have seen that in normal the, life. The light bulbs only fall out of those on spirit air. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> uh, wait, here's ding. And it falls into your life. I know we charge you an inordinate amount for your carry on. <laughs> now here's a light bulb falling out. <laughs> 
Oh, Spirit Airlines. <gasps> yeah, I hear you. Uh, that's a whole other episode. Enjoy flying to Atlantic City because that's <laughs> yeah. the only place we go. So, <laughs> so <laughs> back to effects. Either there's too much detail, um, and you'll see this in video games too, cutscenes, you're like, wow, that's an overwhelming amount of detail. Or there's not enough detail, or it's a strange mixture of both. Um, <laughs> we're, we're like one surface is really well rendered. Yeah. The surface next to is like, wow, that tree looks really Real smooth and flat. Or like the artist had no sense of scale. Interesting. Um, like things in the foreground yeah. are less detailed than things in the background. Right. Or, or you know, you'll see an arm of something and then it has a little area that's super detailed. And it's like, okay, that wouldn't actually happen in real life. The um, If you really want a great example of how to do this right in the practical world, go watch a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And in the opening scene, there's sort of an aerial flight over the building uh the the big black sort of monolithic pyramid shaped building and there's something about and it's a practical building and it's uh, it's about 10 feet by 10 feet by i don't know six or seven feet tall um there's something about the way a film camera picks up detail on that building and as you get closer it picks up more detail and more detail and it picks it up in the way that your eye would in real life so it's extremely believable and there's these little windows and little details of structure that you only pick up when you're getting closer and for some reason in digital that breaks down and i i haven't really figured out why but that that does break down do you think one day the algorithms will be such that digital effects and impract and practical effects will be indistinguishable from one another? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's terrifying. And it's that <laughs> the day that we all get plugged into the matrix <laughs> because I feel like I get would have a lot of stuff taken care of. Like nobody goes to the bathroom in the matrix. You've noticed that in three movies. That would be great. No, no number ones or number twos, no number threes. What movies are you watching where people take number ones and twos? Let me, don't oh, get me started well, on what you're, what oh, you think a number dumber. three is. Dumb and dumber, which yeah, by the way. There's one famous one, but. They don't go to the bathroom I think, most movies. Like I think that well, You never see Hermione be like, Harry, we're joining you in like four minutes and then run off camera. And grab the invisibility cloak yeah, and like, hit if, the faculty when bathroom. When talk about special effects movies, <laughs> yeah. for some reason, I keep thinking Harry Potter. And yes, the faculty bathroom. <laughs> that, well, I'm sure he did that all the time, right? I would. Yeah, that's the nice That's bathroom. the cleanest bathroom. Yeah. Because yeah, the ghost was in the... Yeah, that's where the prefects go. Oh, the prefect Thank bathroom. Thank you, Barb. Sure. That was Barb. Hi, now, Barb. Hey, Barb. Hi. Now, uh, <laughs> there's a troll, there's a ghost in one bathroom. There's Moaning Myrtle is in one. Sure. First of all, you don't want to go to the bath, like, you just pinch it off for, <laughs> for six months if you're going to school at Hogwarts. There must be a spell, like, expecto yeah. no pius. If you <laughs> yourself, you don't have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And or just like, or just like evaporates all. instantly, right? <laughs> oh, oh that would be great. Yeah. Evapobladerous. Oh, man. There are times on a road trip when I would have used that. Oh, man. Do you do you do the bottle trick on a road trip or do you stop? Only once have I done the bottle trick. Only once? Yes. Okay. I found it incredibly difficult. Nobody tells you that your body and your mind have trained you since, mm-hmm. I don't know, five years old to not pee with your clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have your clothes on and you're like, just come on. Just and nothing. Wait a minute. Uh, I've been to several urinals in my life. What? 
And I leave my clothes on. Oh, you don't do the look when I go to a... <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't do the little down. kid thing where you put your pants around your ankles to go to the bathroom at a urinal. Yeah, butt's out for sure. Uh, oh now, can, can we just... Can you please never call it a trick again? It's not like you're <laughs> David Copperfield taking a whiz into a bottle. Look, there's no it's a trick if you're using it. a beer bottle. It's not so much a trick if you're using a Gatorade bottle because it has that wide mouth. Yeah, I want what? Gatorade bottle. This is, I mean, the principle... Why I would have empty say. beer bottles in my car while driving... <laughs> Also probably Mark. Come back to Dumb and Dumber. Harlan <laughs> Williams is going to take a sip out of that thing, and he's going to go, because that's what he does in the movie. <laughs> number ones and number twos on film that you can tell those guys never went to Also, office. that was a digital effect. That <laughs> bottle was not there. Not a real bottle. Totally fake. Had you fooled. Um, let's get back to the topic at hand. Sure. Practical versus digital. Um so what are we deciding here? Are we deciding if we could make a film with only one or which is the which is the superior kind of effect? Because obviously at this point the line is so blurred, you need both. Yes. You do, no yeah, film. to make any any big cool movie that looks real, you need both. I mean, look, uh what's the the film with the cars, you know? Cars? cars? No, not that one. The the recent one with the Cars 2. Fast and the Furious? Not Fast and the Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious? No, and the Fast Desert. Fast and the Furious 3? And the yeah. Desert. 4 Fast, it. 4 Furious. <laughs> 9 <laughs> Fast, 8 Furious. <laughs> in the Desert. 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Cars in the Desert. Mad Max. Mad Max. That's Mad the Max. one. Yeah. Oh, Mad yeah. Max. Yes. Mad Max used a ton of digital effects. And everyone's like, wait, I what? assumed it was all practical, that movie. Well, it was, yeah. but it wasn't. So all of the cars and the flipping and the crashing, practical. Why? Because it looks good and it's hard to rep- uh, replicate physics on large objects, like I was saying. When they were driving into that canyon in the middle of the desert and they were kind of getting pinched off and it had that, that whole canyon, all of that rock formation, completely digital. But really? Yeah, completely digital. It was no filmed kidding. on a flat desert lake bed, sand, the whole nine. Huh. They composited all of that rock formation, and you would never think, you would never think. No. But it's something the computers are good at. I think it's a tool, right? Yeah, in, right. And the, in the end, it's a tool, and it can be used in ways that it's not supposed to be used for, and you'll kind of see. And it can be used in ways where it's really strong, and in cases like Mad Max, you would never know. You would never know or assume. So, yeah. So you've just told us that... Our entire premise for this episode. This has been an entire, uh, just a complete waste of time. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> I feel like we're getting close. We're about ready to make our ruling. We are. Yes. Right here. Do I get to rule? You, yes. Yeah. You oh, are, great. You are great. part of our Supreme Court. In fact, we were today. saying before we started this, uh, I'm a practical effects, uh, fan. I mean, but this, this conversation has changed my mind in ways. Hal leans one way, I lean another. You may wind up being the Justice Kennedy of the yeah. Supreme Court, oh. the swing vote. I will say I would lean towards practical and, and this is why. L- Lord of the Rings is maybe, I-, I think is the gold standard for, for digital effects. Mm-hmm. So that was the first, like, Gollum is a fully realized character. Completely, like, lit properly everything. And it's Andy Serkis in a suit, completely replaced. However, if you have the the fights with the orcs and it's not guys in suits with makeup on, then it you don't buy into it at all. You need the practical to sell the digital. And you could and have also made the movie with a physical actor playing Gollum and not lost that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Well... That's, that's maybe debatable. Right. For me, I guess you, you mentioned earlier, like, what are we, what criteria are we basing this on? And is it, uh, if I, if I had to make a movie with one or the other, 
Right. If I had to make a movie strictly with digital effects or strictly with practical effects, does that sound like a fair question to ask? Since practical or digital is such a vague, open question. Yeah, which is more essential right. to a film? Um, and digital effects have only been around for... Two years. For t- maybe 10, 15% of 10 years. <laughs> I think 15 I, months, I, maybe. I may have underestimated, 15, yeah. <laughs> digital effects have been around for, as of January 2016... Digital effects have only been around for 15 months, you guys. 15 months. We, I mean, we may be off, but none of us is going to look at a calendar. That's right. not what this show's about. Yeah, right. No, I have a digital calendar now, and this is – I want a practical calendar. Um, <laughs> I go by the Aztec calendar. Ooh. <laughs> the world will end as soon as this podcast is over. Yeah, crap. Um, yeah, I mean, it, movies were made for a really long time. Optical effects were the digital effects of the day if you needed – if you needed something that wasn't in the room, you did a matte painting. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And there's something about the tactile beauty of a well-executed practical effect to maybe to the detriment of, I mean, look, you could, could you make Harry Potter without digital effects? If you had Ray Harryhausen around and the actors were compelling enough, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, but I I would argue I would argue for practical effects on the basis that you can make a film with the absence of digital and it still feels real. When mm-hmm. you make a film entirely with digital, you you lose something. You can't right. Not not you can't make Lord of the Rings with just practical effects. You could, but it would look crappy. Right. I would not. It would look like it. it would look like the Sweden version of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Everybody would be wearing like tinfoil yeah. uh, suits. What was that movie nice. called? Thank you for uh, or, uh, be kind. Be rewind. kind. Be kind. Rewind. Yeah. All be Sweden uh, versions of the different films. So Tommy, think, thoughts? Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it comes down to where it breaks down and how. Um, when practical effects fail. For whatever reason, whether it's my age or uh, my experience, um, it's forgivable for some reason. I don't know quite why, but I'm willing to accept it without being taken out, taken out of that moment of being enchanted by the story. When digital effects break down, it does take me completely out. The illusion is completely broken. And then I start questioning and analyzing everything else that I'm seeing. Um, so practical for me. Are we ready to make a ruling on this, fellas? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, People of the world, take your computers, your very fancy Commodore Amigos or whatever you're using Ooh, now. To yeah. Make those, those computer graphics. Your Atari 2600s. Yeah. And, and put them aside because we're not ready for them just yet until we put all our practical effects in because practical effects are the bedrock of all effects. You would have nothing without your practical effects. And on a side note, this is not related, but if whoever works at Hogwarts and is in charge of their bathrooms, clean those things out. It can't be that hard to keep monsters and ghosts out. Don't you all use magic or whatever? So make your bathroom safe. Let those kids go number one and number two. The teachers would be a lot nicer. I think Snape would have been much more pleasant if you had just given him some time to use the restroom. Hal, can I stop you right there just because you mentioned him? Yes. Aww. I would like to say I would like to dedicate this episode Aww. to a man who – we mentioned Harry Potter a lot in this episode. Yes. We all got the news today yes. and we're all very sad about it. Uh, can we dedicate this episode to Alan Rickman? I think we should. Yes. This is episode. This episode is dedicated to Severus Snape, Hans Gruber, uh, the cheating guy from Love Actually. 
And by Grapthal's hammer. And by Grapthal's hammer. You shall be avenged. Yeah. Right. Uh, we love you, Alan Rickman. You ah. are you are everything. And I'm sorry you didn't get to go to the bathroom in that movie. I would like to point <laughs> out, I don't think Dolores Umbridge had gone to the bathroom <laughs> for 30 years by the time she showed up at Hogwarts. No wonder she was so nasty. But there you go. Asked and answered. Practical effects rule the day. Bam. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, Tommy Hackey, for hey, being thank our you. guest on yes. this episode. Very honored. You very honored. Anything? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, our, uh, our company, the one that I don't own at all, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, Film Illusions and go to filmillusions.com. We make a ton of cool stuff. Check out some of the cool stuff you do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today. This has been a pleasure and very enlightening. And I was really excited about doing this episode for a long time because this is actually something I have debated with friends for years. <laughs> yeah. uh, now we have a definitive answer. <laughs> I know, right? Gosh, thank goodness. Can we put this out on some news bulletin somewhere? Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> Oddly, we're going to have to put this out digitally. Oh. <laughs> I hope that well. the, I hope that the computers don't mind. Um, thanks as always, uh, to our uh, composers, Mike Furman for our theme song, which just won the award from Split Cider for best theme song of the year and to Jonathan Dinerstein for our score. Yes. And thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus and graphic designer Uri Kelman. And we know you have a lot of different topics that you want us to settle. This one is closed. You are not allowed to talk about it with anybody ever, anywhere, for any reason. But uh, reach out to us and let us know the things you want us to decide. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast or by email at we got this podcast at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on the Maximum Fun subreddit uh, or check us out on Twitter at we got this tweets. And uh, thanks again, as always. To our listeners, we could not do this without you. Uh, thanks for listening. We're going to keep making episodes and finally settling your arguments once and for all. Uh, for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And for Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.